Hi, everyone. Welcome to LED On, the JavaScript on Hardware podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about servos. We're going to be doing a deep dive on how they work, what they are, and how you can use them. Um, but first, remember, you can always find our show notes and all of our episodes on our website at ledon.dev. Today, I'm joined by Ryan Gill. Hello, everyone. And we uh, are ready to get started, so let's go. So, question one. What is a servo? I know it, uh, it has a motor. That's it true. It can move things. That's true. They have a motor, just like a regular DC motor that you'd see to, you know, to turn a car wheel or anything like that. Servos are special because they have a closed feedback loop inside, right? So there's a, a, something like a potentiometer or a rotary encoder that lets you know the actual position of the motor. With DC motors and stepper motors, you don't really have a feedback mechanism there by default. So if you tell a motor to turn for a few seconds, you really don't have any measure of how many times it's turned or how far you've traveled or any of that stuff. Or if it's slipped or... Exactly. And with stepper motors, you know, you can tell them to turn a step, and you can know in advance how far that step is, but you don't get confirmation that even though you asked for the step, you actually got it. So you don't know for sure where the motor is. Well, servos solve that by having that encoder available. And the encoders can be digital, they can be analog. Um, I think most hobby servos, the cheap ones that we use in most of our projects, uh, have just an analog potentiometer in them. And as the voltage climbs, it reaches a certain point that the, that the logic board that's in the servo knows, okay, I'm at the position that was requested. When you get a hobby servo or, or any kind of servo, you've got the motor inside, you've got the potentiometer, but they're always geared pretty heavily as well so that you can get a lot more torque and, and move things. They can carry a little weight. And the gears in those motors vary a lot as far as quality and uh, durability. Right, right. discovered the hard Depending way. Depending on price. And exactly. So the cheap har- servos that you get come with plastic gears. And uh, if you are putting any kind of strain on your servos, it's very easy to strip those gears so the servo won't, won't work anymore. Right. Uh, metal gears cost a little more or a lot more in some cases, um, but they last longer. Um, it's possible to strip metal gears too. I've done that as well. <laughs> um, but uh, when you are looking at servos, those are the two main cost influencers. The other things that can, that can dictate how much a servo costs would be things like uh, whether it's digital or analog input. Digital is a little more expensive. Uh, the quality of the components, um, how it's wired and engineered. You'll see a huge range as far as uh, speed and torque on servos, which, you know, how fast they can get to the position you've requested, mm-hmm. uh, how much force they can, they can, they can absorb and or move. Um, so there's, a, there's a, quite a range there. Uh, cheap hobby servos can be had for under $5. Right, um, right. You wouldn't build anything permanent with them. Let's put it that okay. way. Um, but for easy, quick prototyping. Yeah, they're great. And for learning. In. Yeah. Okay. It's like when you buy, you know, the inventor's kit that we've talked about uh, on, on our show before. Sometimes you'll get a servo with those. And those are tend to be micro servos, which are a smaller form factor. Um, they don't carry a lot of weight. They, Do they run on maybe a, a lower voltage, maybe the curiously, smaller motors? Curiously, they do not. Okay. Um, they, they tend to be five or six volts, the same as the standard size hobby servos. Um, they also, in my experience, uh, can require just as much current 
as the bigger servos. Ooh, that's interesting. It is interesting, and I, I think so the where is all that going? Well, I believe that all of that is going to crappy build quality, and the gears don't don't mesh well, and mm-hmm. you know there's burrs on them and all these things. And I've seen micro servos or mini servos that um, just, that clearly require more power than a fifty dollar high end digital metal geared servo. Or when I say power, I mean current. They draw more current than those. Um, you know, I, we, I, this is another thing we've talked about before and how easy it is to brown out your microcontroller if you're drawing too much current. Um, but when you're a beginner, it's very tempting to just connect your motor, your servo. Wire it direct. To wire it direct and use your you know, Arduino Uno or whatever microcontroller uh, as your power supply for, for that device. And for a servo... It might work. You know, it might work at first or, you, you know, if it doesn't have any load on it. Right. You're not stalling it out or trying to get it to hold position and forcing it. Exactly. And it's, and it's not drawing so much current that it's going to brown out your Arduino. But if you, if you do that and you maybe pinch that servo with your fingers and cause a little more, you know, a little more uh, current to be required because it's, it's working a little harder to turn those gears, right. um, you can brown out your board. And I think the first brownout I ever had was the result of a servo being attached directly. Um, so it, it matters a lot as to how much power you pull. Obviously, your, your robot, your whatever, is going to run longer uh, if you pull less current. It's going right. to last longer if your battery. But you do need that external power supply. I've done it with uh, you know, NICAD batteries and, right. and LiPos, that just as a separate external power supply. And a lot of PWM expanders that give you ports to control more servos, for example. A lot of those have their own separate power inputs. That makes it a lot easier to do um, without having to maybe wire up your own power. You can just, just plug it into this to these to these boards that are dedicated to that purpose for controlling a lot of servos. And with those LiPos, were you using a voltage regulator to get a clean whatever set voltage you you were going to set it at, or so, were you just letting it vary as the battery drained? With those expanders, I was just letting it vary as the battery drained. Gotcha. The servos will kind of still function. When you go and get them and you look at their, their spec sheets, they show you current and speed across a range of voltages. Okay. Now, you probably don't want to go below 5. Once you're below 5, you're, you know, you're not going to be functioning very well. Um, but, you, and you, but you can go up to 7.2. Um, so you can get more to them than, than the 6 volts, which is kind of like your, your happy medium. That's where most of the things are rated at. And obviously that's an easy number to get to with, with most batteries because 1.5 volts a common a common size, and you just combine combine those to get your, your 6-volt power source. Right. It'd be a little dicey with the 2S LiPo. Um, it might work. Yeah. You'd be a little over on the full charge. So a little over the 6 volts? Uh, it or would a little be... Over the seven you'd, you'd be oh. at like uh 8.4 fully charged yeah i don't know if that's a good idea yeah. i've never i've never run servos at over 7.2 okay. so so um, we talked a little bit about what they are um and there's actually you know apart from hobby servos this standard hobby servo that we've been talking about those those are 180 degree devices it'll it'll rotate 180 degrees and you usually attach what's called a servo horn to them right. and that you can attach to whatever it is you want to move and they have um, all different shape horns for different applications. Exactly, exactly. Um, but they also have different kinds of servos. There's servos that you can get with, that will only turn 90 degrees. And they're 
the potentiometer will only, only read across the 90-degree range. Would and that be used for an application that only requires it, or are you getting some type of advantage by only using that short amount? So obviously you can get, you get more um, torque or anything? Uh, yes, you get more torque. You can get a tighter range. You can get tighter, tighter resolution on positioning. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it could be that you're installing it in something that if you move, say, your aileron, more than 90 degrees. I'm talking about a remote control airplane, for example. Say you put a, a servo in, in in the wing of an airplane to control an aileron, and if it moves more than 90 degrees, it could break your aileron, right? So you don't want anything that's going to go more than 90 degrees. Gotcha. All these standard hobby servos, they kind of go back to uh, remote control vehicles. Okay. Cars, airplanes, helicopters, boats. They all use servos. And they use different kinds of service. They use the 90 degree. They use the 180 degree. There's also 360 degree. Um, those are the three, I guess, most common throws, the you know, amount of rotation you'll get out of them. But they also have what's called the winch servos. I'm not familiar with those. Well, a winch servo, it's still just a servo, but the potentiometer will read um, several turns, right? Okay. Uh, those are usually used on remote control sailboats, and you're winching in your... Your mainsail or whatever. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. don't know sailing, Me so neither, I'm just sorry. making stuff up. <laughs> but they, the, the ones I've, I've played with turned about like seven and a half rotations. Okay. Um, the downside on those, not as much torque. And the, the steps that you move are much bigger. So I can only move like in seven or eight degree steps. Because Whereas the resolution with, for exactly. those extra turns needs to be tracked. Yeah. And... You know, going back up to the microcontroller, if I'm working on an 8-bit device, I can only send from 0 to 255. So there's only 8 bits of precision on the position of your servo. So something that turns 8.5 times, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be moving, or 7.5 times, you're going to be moving a few degrees just by incrementing 1 bit. 1 bit. Yeah. So it's kind of a a trade-off there. Winch servos are unusual. Um, You know, you might be doing something kind of neat or clever with those and you want to know how far they turn and maybe you're lifting something with a rope or something like that okay. um the other kinds of servos and these are also very common especially in hackathons because they have a very important role at hackathons uh, continuous rotation servos and the, they're they're just like a regular servo only uh the potentiometer there is no potentiometer it's 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 looking at the voltage that's being passed to the motor to see which way your motor is turning, but the motor will just keep turning. With continuous rotation servos, you don't actually know the position, unlike other servos. It never actually meets the position it's trying to target. Exactly. So it exactly. Just keeps going. on going. It keeps gotcha. on going. Um, um, and the reason those are so important at hackathons is because they tend to be the wheels on a lot of robots that are trying to push each other off a table or score a soccer goal or whatever. Yep. So continuous rotation servos are used a lot in hackathons, um, and they accept information the same way, right? They get their position set or their speed set with the same signal that's used to control a standard servo. Um, so let's, let's, let's actually, again, back up and talk about how the signal is sent. When you get a okay. servo, they have three wire connections. They have ground, they have um, positive voltage, and that's for the actual power to turn the motor separate right. from the so power. You, that's yeah, so you'd want to wire those up to your separate battery that you talked about earlier. Exactly. And then there's a third wire that's your PWM signal wire. And back when we did our LED deep dive, we talked a little bit about, uh, about, about PWM and how that works. And I think right here we should insert a flashback about how PWM works. That would be so, great. Thank you.
Anybody want to give a shot at explaining what PWM is? I'll give a shot. Okay. So PWM is basically allows us to change the duty cycle of the on time of our signal to basically vary the voltage, the effective voltage at the other end, which will control the brightness of our bulb. Yeah. So GPIO pins just do, they really just do on On and and off. off. They don't have an in-between. In output mode, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want your LED to be 50%, you turn it on half the time and off the other half the time. And you just do it so fast that you can't really see it. That's right. You you can't you can't see the um, the turning on 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 and off, but it does seem to that the in in one instance where it's off the majority of the time looks dim, on majority of the time looks brighter. Yeah. Okay. That was a well done. Thank you. So. We use the same kind of PWM signal to control a servo, um, but it has some special uh, constraints around it. Standard servos expect to work at 50 hertz. Like just across the board? That's just Mm -hmm. a standard? Yeah, it's just your standard frequency for your PWM signal. So the maximum pulse width that you could have at 50 hertz would be 20 milliseconds. Okay. Um, But when we're talking about servos, we don't work in milliseconds because they're not... They're not fine enough. We need, a, we need a smaller measurement. We work in microseconds. So there's this 20,000 microsecond pulse duration. That's the max. That's that the would max. Be max. That would be full if, speed, I guess, in this Yeah, scenario. if you're doing straight PWM. Right. But we're not doing straight PWM. Uh, servos have another special requirement. They only listen to a small portion of that range. Okay. Um, so any, sig- any pulse width from about 600... Uh, microseconds to 2400 microseconds uh, will work for most servos. I say most because there's a there's a standard, an approximate standard that's not followed very well at all. A, a PWM, PWM signal of about 1500 microseconds on a 50 hertz frequency should send your servo to its center position. And okay. if it's a 180-degree servo, that should be 90 degrees. If it's a continuous rotation servo, that should be stop. If it's 360, 180, so on. So that 1,500 microsecond signal should center it. And then a 1,000 microsecond w- uh, pulse width should put it at its zero or full reverse uh, position. Okay. And then a 2,000 microsecond um, pulse width should put it at its full position. It's 180 degrees or full, full on forward or 360 or you know whatever it is right. depending on your servo. Um, in practice, uh, it seems to range a little closer from 600 to 2400. Which so instead of being a, a 1000 microsecond window, you've got 1800 microsecond window. But the the the, the rub is every servo is a little different. And if you use that full range on some servos, you might get a few extra degrees. You might have 190 degrees out of your servo, or you might go past the point where the potentiometer is actually even engaged. And when that happens, the servo just freaks out, and it goes to its physical limit, which there's little plastic stops in most of these things that that stop it from going too far. Um, But you have to fine-tune your servos. To get optimum performance, you have to fine-tune your servos and figure out what the appropriate pulse width range is. 
okay, so you're fine-tuning them via software, but um, I remember during NodeBots Day when we used the servos, we were using continuous servos, and we had to trim the pots for them whenever they're at their stop position. Yeah. So does this come into play? Uh, yes, it does. So that's, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, so with continuous rotation servos, you can, you can usually physically spot them unless they've been you know, unless they're hacked standard right, servers, right. you can look at them and they'll, you'll find, if you turn it around, you'll find a little screw, little plastic screw usually. And it's not a screw. It's a potentiometer that you can adjust. And that will help you set the center point of that continuous rotation servo so it can stop. Because sometimes those continuous rotation servos, you send that 1500 millisecond pulse, it doesn't pick it up as being in the exact center and you get you're, a little creep. Exactly, and it just kind of moves forward or backward or whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's important. So you can do that there with the with the potentiometer that's built into the servo. Right, via the hardware directly. Via the hardware directly. But with standard servos, you don't have that potentiometer. Um, you might have a little extra swing on either side, so you can just kind of adjust the servo and you can trim it. It's different. So instead of adjusting where the zero point is, you're adjusting what signal you're sending when you want a zero. Gotcha. So it's a little different when you do it in software versus hardware. Right. Um, with uh, When we're doing, you know, we're controlling servos in JavaScript, I had to write a little program that lets me tune my servos so that I can find that center point. And once you find the center point, you still have to find the endpoints. Right. A lot of times it doesn't matter that much, right? You're moving, you're, you're just moving a servo and you don't care if it's to the degree uh, exact. But if you're building something like a walking robot, right. and it's important it, where you get those limbs. Everything's got to be balanced and right. precise. And You've got to get the exact. The timing, I'm yeah. sure, is a nightmare. You've got to get that range exact. Um, you have to know exactly where your zero position is and where your 180 position is. Because once you start doing your inverse kinematics calculations, if they're not exactly where they're supposed to be, your end effector, your foot, your hand, whatever, is not going to be where you, where you want it to be. And right. And with a walking robot, which is where servos tend to come into play, um, if you're not exactly where you, where you want to be, there's a good chance you're just going to fall over on your face. So it's really important to tune, tune your servos. Mm -hmm. and, and the really frustrating thing that I found is that even the same servo from, from the, the same, same, brand, manufacturer same manufacturer could have different valid PWM ranges. Right. And the, the trick is start at 1500 for your center point and then find the endpoints. And and one thing that helps with, with calibrating them is a, uh, what do they call it, a servo protractor. Mm. And what it's, is this? Well, it's kind of what it sounds like. You, you stick your servo, you stick it on your servo, and you, you send a signal of 1500, and you have this protractor that you kind of adjust and, and it, with a little pointer on it that's attached to the servo, and you set it at 90, and then you can send different PWM signals and see how far it turns. Okay. So uh, it, I'll, I'll put a picture of one uh, in the show notes. So they're very handy um, to help you, help you know what's going on. So, but there's other kinds of servos, right? It's not just hobby servos. Hobby servos are what we usually work with right. um, because they're, they're cheap and they're convenient and you can do all sorts of cool stuff. But there's more, there's more expensive. I'd still call them hobby servos, but they're a lot more powerful. They're a lot faster. Things like Dynamixel servos. Have you ever heard of Dynamixel? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes, but Google Dynamixel walking robot. And you'll see these walking robots that are clearly just faster, stronger, better than something that's using standard hobby servos. Um, because when you're building a walking robot, there's two, 
I mean, you'd think it would be all about the code and the electronics and all that stuff, but no, the two things that really matter are the actuators and the power. Those are the hardest things to get right. right. And not, not just to get right, but to afford. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> if you had unlimited budget, it would be easy, right? Right. I, I built a hexapod once, and if I look at it, everything without the actuators, everything without the servos, 200 bucks. The servos, 800 bucks. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, how, uh, so how many servos was on that? It was 18. 18 servos. 18 servos on, a, on it, yeah. Um, it had six legs and three degrees of freedom on each leg. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, the servos add up. Yeah. And if you're, sh- if, uh, if you're stripping them. Oh, man. <laughs> it's pre- pretty depressing. Um, especially the expensive ones, yeah. Yeah, especially the expensive ones. But the more expensive, the, the more you're willing to pay, the less likely they're going to strip. Gotcha. Um, but there's a catch on those Dynamixel servos, mm-hmm. the powerful, fast ones. They don't use PWM. No. No. What's the interface for those? So they use serial. Okay. And you just send a, send a position, and they have encoders, and they can communicate back to you. They can tell you, oh, yeah. I'm at this position. So if someone's um, actually manually moved a leg of your robot, it can tell you where it was moved to, which is pretty cool because I don't know if you've ever seen, like, serial manipulators, robots, you know, these, these robots that are just a, a single arm attached to a table, and they can, they can move yeah. around and pick yeah. things up, and they have, like, Seven degrees of freedom, you know, and each one of those is a is a there's a servo in there or a stepper of stepper some kind. Motor, yeah. um, but actually, a lot of them are are indeed servos, um, and uh, they are using encoders to set their positions. But with uh, with with the Dynamixel ones that have the encoders and can sing their positions back to your code, you can just position a leg, and it can know right. what the position you of train, all your servos. You can train it a sequence, and Ex- it can track all these positions, and then run back through it exactly so super cool um when i was doing the walking sequence on my robot it was very much a trial and error thing trying to get the position exactly right because it i could position it but that didn't necessarily tell me what the actual angle on each servo was i'd have to go and and through trial and error try and get the leg back to that position with code so that can be that can be time consuming and and, uh, and tedious yeah so being able to encode your position and pass it back is really nice yeah but, so, you know, with JavaScript and hardware, we can do serial, but these Dynamixel servos require uh, half-duplex serial, which we can't do yet. It's not supported by Fermata. It's not supported by any of the other Johnny 5 plugins that I know of. Is it a speed thing? or? I don't think it's a speed thing. I think it's just something that, that support hasn't been added for. But with these, with these half-duplex serial connections, you need to have an extra pin that sends a signal and lets... lets uh, lets the system know when it's okay to send bytes and when it's okay to receive bytes. All right, so you've got, you know, hobby servos. You've got these more expensive hobby servos like the Dynamixel. Um, but then you also have high-end professional servos uh, that they're using in industrial robots. Right. And I've heard even AC motors in some of these yeah. higher-end applications. Yeah. And conceptually, they're, they work the same way. Um, I think most of them work with serial. Um, so, you know, it's something that conceivably we should be able to control from JavaScript. Um, but uh, obviously those are much more expensive. We're talking right. thousands of dollars for actuators. So that's, uh, that's, that's a hard pill, hard pill to swallow, I yeah. imagine, for a hobbyist. Yeah. Uh, Going to need some sponsorships for those. Ooh, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
have we beaten servos to death? Uh, well, I mean, I think I heard you beat a few to death, at least. <laughs> yes. It makes an awful grinding sound when that happens. Too. No. <laughs> All right. Well, remember, our show notes can be found at ledon.dev. We hope to have Pierce back with us very soon. And uh, that's all for now. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks, guys.